All right. Can I invite us to take three deep breaths together? So first deep inhale through the nose, loud sigh out through the mouth. Deep inhale in through the nose, loud sigh out through the mouth. Third and deepest inhale in through the nose and loud sigh out through the mouth. So the intention with this podcast is to have a virtual conversation with like-minded global nomad family as well, waiting for this whole COVID thing <laughs> to pass so we can all finally meet in person, hopefully with our kids in tow anywhere in this world from one week to maybe three months at a time. So one organization um, already doing this is We Are World Schoolers and you should check them out on Facebook. They're incredible. I finally dug into it this week and um, I'm still not 100% sure what they do about education or if there's a centralized thing that the parents agree to, but I have a hunch that parents are individually on their own, um, either homeschooling where they have tutors or they follow an online school if their kids are older, i.e. they can read. But I, I think for this group, we have a lot of young of, of parents with younger kids who I think have to learn how to read and I'm not sure how that happens online. But again, haven't done it, so I wouldn't know. So um, it's, oops, sorry. It's, um, it's inspiring to see and witness how COVID has completely made education evolve from our old archaic ways. Hi, John. And, um, and there's so many incredible, super progressive learning models already out there with like, you know, futuristic online tools and all these things that, you know, I wish I'd had when I was growing up. But there's one thing that's never, ever, ever, ever going to become obsolete, and that's wholesome educators. And just being around <laughs> wholesome humans, they teach and inspire us, parents and kids, to be wholesome humans. So today, we're super fortunate to be able to have an informal chat with such real-life educator who, educators who I hope will one day join us on one of our global nomad gatherings. So welcome, Ellen Anthony. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you very much thank for having us. Having it's us. Uh, it's a privilege. Thank you. We'll see who we'll see whose privilege it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it could be that I come from a long lineage of educators that I have jived with you guys from the second we met. We met thanks to Janine, who was actually the first speaker on this podcast. Um, universe has some pretty cool ways, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And the universe would have us meet at a World Cafe chat in Bali about the future of education. So again, coincidence? I think not. So can I briefly <laughs> introduce you? So a little bias. So Elle and Anthony have 30 plus years experience in bringing a holistic approach to education across a multitude of different systems, age groups, and countries. Um, they're currently based in Australia. Uh, Anthony has been a school leader for 23, 23 years. His roles have included principal, deputy principal. Uh, principal and is currently working as a well-being coach and behavior support practitioner. He empowers children and adults with disabilities and the 200 employees of his organization. He has further complemented his skills by, by utilizing mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and coaching techniques to empower deep self-directed learning and metacognition. As a lifelong learner, he has a master's in, of education from Flinders University in Adelaide and a bachelor of teaching from Charles Sturt University. He has also studied acceptance and commitment therapy and is currently studying interpersonal neurobiology with Dr. Dan Siegel. 
Elle is a qualified child and adolescent counselor. She, she's also been a primary, I know how humble you guys are, and this must be hard. <laughs> anyway, she's also been a primary high school teacher as well as a school principal of, holistic, um, of a holistic international school. All these experiences have provided her with valuable insights into children, their emotions, their learning needs, and what is required for optimal well-being and socio social emotional development. Her love of learning has resulted in a master of education and a diploma of counseling with additional training in family therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, interpersonal neurobiology and child-centered play therapy, all of which provide children, adolescents and adults with the opportunity to explore their thoughts and feelings deeply, allowing for healing in a safe and supportive environment. So not only are you guys super solid you're humble you're really the real deal but you're also truly good-hearted souls i have to say that i think you're one of the most wholesome lifelong partners i've ever met and i might be catching you off guard as we didn't discuss this earlier but um <laughs> before we get into the questions i would like to specify that you raised two beautifully grounded adults in their 20s and i believe your daughter is in education and your son is a disability support worker two souls who help others so clearly your passions have rubbed off on them no greater stamp of approval in my book right <laughs> Okay, so the format for today is gonna to be 20 minutes chat followed by a 10 minute or five to 10 minute Q&A. Um, so if anyone has questions um, about education or how to be a wholesome human, which I do, um, yeah, we'll ask that towards the end in the last five, 10 minutes. So Ellen Anthony, I've, um, I was hoping you'd, you'd cover these three questions today. And the first one was, um, they say that the process of living is the same as the process of learning. So would love to hear in your words um, why learning is an essential part of being human. And I believe you wanna maybe use some um, visuals, which is one way that people learn, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll share that. I will just share. The, just while we're sharing there, the, the greatest thing I, I sort of feel that and it's just a, a gift of being a teacher, I think, or an educator has been that it, the basis of what we're talking about is well-being. And, and that's always been for us. We But we now know through the latest research around the brain that well-being is the, is the essence of learning. Um, and that's what we base everything about. We've all, I've, I've always known it. We've always known it. But now we can actually put the scientists science can articulate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so um it's refreshing it is it's absolutely it's absolutely refreshing to be able to put into words what you've always known but now you can prove it if you like so it's it's awesome so you know let's start off with um defining the human mind um and this is a little bit of work that we've been doing with dr dan so you're not in person but you know just doing some work with dan and you know, this is this really sums up for me exactly what the human mind is or, or about being human. The human mind is a relational and embodied process that regulates the flow of energy and information. And the story behind this definition came from or Dan Siegel working with a, a whole group of um, professionals. Um, and there was no clear definition of what the human mind was. So to be human, we need to understand every part of us and how it all works together. So that's why that is such a, a beautiful definition for me. And that's why 
we we now know how important well-being is for learning mm. yeah you got anything on that l well i might just jump to the next slide Wait, something about that my, my teacher was just talking about um uh chronicle pain and she was saying there's few moments when there's no pain but it's usually when their brains are firing at all pistons like when they're presenting or when they're like meeting an editor that they're really proud to show their work up so and and the opposite like i've noticed that i can't meditate as well when there's a physical pain so of course well-being and when you're well in your skin of course your brain works better and the other way around like you forget you have chronic pain when your brain is firing on all pistons so well-being i completely agree is is the secret <laughs> to being able to learn yeah yeah and so we've been doing a lot of work i think we're we're definitely lifelong learners i think we have about four courses on the go at the moment but we're really fascinated by the polyvagal theory um, framework and the interpersonal neurobiology which basically is about when we when we place this in the context of education it's a little frightening um, and i know in my practice i am seeing high levels of childhood and adolescent anxiety just simply around school at the moment you know forget everything else that's going on just going to school is creating a lot of anxiety for the children that i see and i know that that is across the board so um you know what is polyvagal theory and in interpersonal neurobiology it's basically if my physiological state is regulated my autonomic nervous system is calm and then i'm a curious person I want to learn about myself and the world around me. I can process information and I can remember things. And I think we even know in ourselves as adults, you know, when we're in a calm state, when everything's in the flow and we're feeling good, we do remember things. We don't lose our keys and we don't lose our sunglasses and we're not rushing around, you know, like a crazy person. We sort of feel like everything just sort of comes together and children absolutely feel like that when they're in the flow of learning. Um, but if they're agitated and reactive, my body's in a state of threat, my priority is not to learn anything new. My priority is to detect the source of threat and put all of my resources into surviving. And if we think of that in terms of, you know, a young child going to school and school is a place that doesn't feel safe for them. Um, and we know lots of children aren't feeling safe in certain educational settings. Now there's a lot of pressure um you know they're going into that reactive threat response and the learning part of the brain absolutely shuts down so if we get back to that question about learning being well-being it's absolutely essential that we provide spaces for our children to learn where safety and you know a non-threatening gentle calming environment is key so that we optimize their opportunity to learn absolutely and in learnings it's it's about empowerment and we need to be in, in a state, in a state of, of our prefrontal cortex working and actually connected to the rest of our brain to actually learn the, you know, the simple, the, the facts are, and I, um, I use it with the, 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 the people that I work with about flipping our lid. And what that means is that we, we lose our connections with our prefrontal cortex. And um, we go into the part of our brain that's our guard dog or our ancient brain that actually then, as Elle says, we're actually on, on guard. And in that state, it's, it's impossible to learn. And in, in that state, you're not in well-being. So that's, it's all about survival. 
And we yeah. talk about that being a trauma-informed sort of response. And yeah. people think, I think when we say the word trauma, people think, oh, some child's had something really terrible mm, happen yeah. to them. But when we're talking about this type of trauma, it's it can be very, you know, technically low level in terms of it may just be the sound of a, a teacher's voice that might that a teacher might have yelled at a child yesterday and they come in today and the sound of that teacher's voice can start this threat response so it's tiny little things i was actually listening to a course today and they were talking about in an autistic school um, that was being set up in the us they changed the fire alarm because a fire alarm has such connotations with fear and anxiety and stress and panic and autistic children are so sensitive to noise and sound that they changed it to some i didn't know the song itself but it was some sort of american marching music and so it was it was fun and upbeat but it had a structure to it and so if there was a fire the children knew to get up and march out but it didn't elicit that you know that stress response that mm. the sound of an alarm would make so trauma can be anything from a smell that's linked to a memory a sound mm. um you know we're not talking major trauma here all the time it's very small things sometimes and i think you know carmela probably you know with june there was probably some you know connections there with his learning perhaps and how he was feeling about himself as a learner from some of the personal narratives that he'd gained through different experiences mm. um i Yes. Um, actually, could you stop sharing for one second? Is there something yeah. in my notes because it opens up the whole thing? Because I wanted to mention something about June. Are we ready to jump onto the second question? Yeah, for sure. Right. Hopefully, awesome. we answered the first one, did we? Did well. Um, did we? Because you have we to give me an A, B, or C by the end of this. No pressure. <laughs> Doesn't matter where we go. We're learning. We're learning. Um, no, <laughs> but to finish what Elle was saying, in Japan, um, in the really busy trains. Uh, subway stations, they play bird sounds or nature sounds because apparently people are less likely to feel anxious and hopefully not jump in front of the track. Um, yeah. So yeah, the whole the whole environment does help. Again, helping with well-being, using all the senses. So since you mentioned June, I thought I would um, <laughs> jump I, in. The next topic is about individual individuality of learning, how each of us have our own unique way of learning. And so I'm going to give a little backstory. Um, our son was denied entry to an international school here about a year and a half ago. And, um, and they said that it was, it was not said by the admissions office, but by the, um, the psychologist they work with that unless we medicated our son for ADHD, um, which um, my husband and I refused to interfere with the healthy appetite and healthy sleep of an energetic eight-year-old. But um, essentially, yeah, we, the system rejected him. We questioned ourselves as parents. Um, we were questioning if we should medicate him so that he could fit into the system. Um, and throughout this whole process, Anthony has stood by our side. Ellen Anthony has stood by our side, unwavering with, with your message of, um, you know, you kept that, that flag of believe in him, don't lose faith in him. I'm going to get teary-eyed. But um, you really never, never made us question any of it. Um, if anything, you just made us question um, the system. So um, yeah, people can have all the titles in the world, but if you don't walk the talk when life, when real life happens, um, yeah, Anthony, you do. So thank you. Um, and our son has been very lucky to, to work with Anthony for over a year and a half now, every week. And um, under, yeah, Anthony, you understood very fast that June needs to move to assimilate material. Um, 
he's a kinesthetic learner. And so you let him move. You're like, all right, you're saying you need to move, move for five minutes, come back and June comes back. There's a contract between the two of you. And actually for the record, um, in the last year, June has like started jujitsu. And he's like, no, I don't want to go back. Uh, he started playing Minecraft. He was really into it. Now he doesn't play it anymore. Um, he loved the trampoline. He stopped. He actually did ballet for a bit because his sister went. He stopped that. He got sick of that. Um, he got sick of studying Japanese. Like he's really get, gets into things and gets sick of it. But he's never, ever said that he doesn't want to work with Anthony again. Um, which says a lot. Um, he looks forward to working with Anthony. And when we asked him why, he said, he respects me, I respect him, I learn from him, he learns from me. He's interested in what I'm interested in and I love what and how he teaches me. And I know that he really cares about me. Wow. So- um, I'm tearing up too. <laughs> <laughs> and also just to be completely transparent, Anthony, sometimes it's been a rainy day. He's been cooped up in his room. He didn't sleep much because a friend slept over. We forgot to feed him. He needs to pee him. We're, we've had a minor <laughs> argument. We're trying, you know, he's, we're trying to get him on Zoom and he's really nervous, like a horse in a pin. And we're like, oh my gosh, we're throwing him in a Zoom room with Anthony. Sorry, Anthony, as we're like closing gently the door. <laughs> and I don't know what magical alchemy you do, Anthony, but we always find a really calm June at the end, teaching us about gratitude and empathy and mindfulness. So. <laughs> Congratulations. So who doesn't need to learn more about that throughout all of life? I sometimes tell Eva, I'm like, can we just, just listen in on what June's learning from Anthony? Because I think we could we could benefit from learning about those things too. So on to the second question, which was um, that we each have a unique way of learning, um, even though with our common, even with our common physiology, we are all different. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And feel free to start the yeah 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 i can do that um so when we talk about our common physiology we know that our brains or our minds have a particular um process that it goes through particularly when we come to trauma or any sort of threat response um that there's a, a general process and i know for the children and adolescents that i work with and the parents um when i explain that process there's like these light bulbs going on everywhere like oh my gosh i'm so normal actually mm. you know what's happening to me is really normal and so when they start to understand that so we do have this common physiology and there's there's some you know beauty in recognizing that however we all have our own personal narratives that we bring to that and how our physiology sort of reacts to that um and so you know, it's a real challenge for teachers. We've been teachers for a long time and we've been in the system and we know how challenging it is when you have 25 or 30 children, all with their own personal narratives to, um, to individualize education. And that, that's the struggle. And it's very frustrating and it's, it's almost impossible, uh, particularly in, in a traditional setting. And I guess I just wanted to sort of bring those uh, education models up because I know here in Australia, we, we're incredibly frustrated with our education model. It isn't individualized. It's become very standardized and we're moving further away from, you know, what we believe children need, which is that very individualized approach, but not individualized as in, um, you know, making things more challenging, but just believing and teaching skills for children rather than so our traditional industrialized sort of system of education, which Anthony and I both worked in for a very long time, incredibly rigid and it's a curriculum and content that is basically placed on a child. There's very little flow. We were talking before about that flow energy and information flow. There's very little flow 
in that system. Um, it will work for some children, for sure. But for a lot of children, it's a very threatening environment. They have very little autonomy over their learning. Um, they're giving back very little to it. Um, and and it's, it's really challenging for it's everybody It's very, involved. very, absolutely. And it's very focused on um, one one particular, it's, it's, it's about the logic and the logic part of the brain. And, and if you're good at regurgitating and, and taking in logic, we expect a lot of logic without necessarily connection and empowerment. And going back to what Elle said in the beginning around actually teaching um, people around what's happening in their brain is a form of empowerment. Once I understand my, me and I notice and I embody the fact that I'm noticing what's happening in my body, then okay, like I said, so many children today feel like, oh, I'm anxious or I'm whatever, I must be different. But once you learn that that's the part of the process and, and where it's come from and, and how our brain hasn't really evolved that much, it's very empowering um, because our brain's still operating from when we were cave people. And it's now in a world of absolute, obviously a very Chaos. different, different, <laughs> different world. So it's once that empowerment occurs, that's when you can start. And part of that is once again, learning to be human is around learning about yourself and what actually happens in those moments. So there's the learning, that's the start of the learning. And, you know, if you talk about June, I just connect the learning we do each week with what he loves and geez, it makes it so easy because um, I've got a few little questions that I ask each week, but the greatest thing I can do is encourage curiosity. And I've said it to you before around, I ask more questions than I give answers because I see June's frontal, prefrontal cortex switch on. And then we talk about the humanity in changing your states and being aware of where you're at, where, you, where you're at. So when you're aware of where you're at, you're totally, you're being more human because you're getting your feelings, you're getting you're connecting and, and getting the flow of energy and information going for yourself. So that's, you know. There's still algorithm in it because it's what I'm learning with my mindfulness teacher. And, you know, it's just like separating, you know, noticing thoughts, know thyself, notice, you know, notice there's a separation between you and your thoughts. But the fact that you do it with an, a hyper eight year old, um, bravo. <laughs> But it's not too bad because oh, yeah. your husband's built a climbing frame in the room. So I just say, go and climb on your wall, Jim. <laughs> so I just keep saying, to him, I bet I think you should be grateful. You know, are you grateful this week for having that climbing wall in your room? Yeah, I'm grateful. You know, so it's it's gratitude, empathy, mindfulness. Once again, it's it's about that empowerment of understanding yourself to understand what to connect with and how you connect, and that's how you learn. I think. Absolutely. And it's 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 more than, um, you know, what we know now is we need to go beyond the thoughts and right back to the body. Mm. And so a lot of the work I do with children and adolescents is taking them back to that fleeting feeling in their body when something either doesn't feel right or I have a lot of children go into freeze mode when I ask them a question. So then we explore that. What did that feel like? Why did they have that shutdown? Where did that come from? And as I said, a lot of my children don't like to go to school for a variety of reasons. And so we're working through, you know, what's physically happening in your body that is telling you that there's a threat there or a fear. Mm -hmm. um, because learning is not going to happen. I've got children who have a panic attack as they're walking out of their door at home to get in the car to go to school. So, um, and a lovely 
example of that, you know, um, I've had a child probably for six months now I've been working with, refused to go to school, is in high school, um, hadn't been to school for two years. And we've been in lockdown here, so the children have been homeschooling and she went back to school this week and I spoke to her Wednesday evening and she'd been all three days and was so excited to be back at school. So the fear had subsided with her understanding herself and how she processed that fear and developing strategies to get through that. Um, and that's her learning about herself. So the teachers, you know, you, we could keep throwing the curriculum at her, but mm. until she processed what was going on for her, she's now ready to learn. She's back mm. at school. She's mm. really intent on learning and excited about it. So and her curiosity's turned back on. She's, she's curious yeah, again and open and vulnerable to learning. The well-being, yeah, the well-being to be ready to learn. So. Yeah, it sounds it sounds too easy. I was very lucky yeah. though. The school was very very supportive of her process, and I've had some schools here who say, "Nope, they need to do this," and and we're not giving on anything. So they're very rigid systems. This school was fantastic, and they actually set her up a few months ago in a classroom where she could go, and she would have a teacher's aide to just support her getting back to school. Mm. She'd start back at school for two hours a day, and she'd go for four hours, and we finally got her back for whole days, and now she's going into her mainstream classes. But the school understood that she had a very individualised um, set of learning needs, and they supported that. So we had a lot of success with that child because of the school being willing to compromise and look at her individual needs so and i think you hit the you know you need a cultural support um i remember making tattoos at a fair for a, the kid the kid they went to uh, the school uh, the kindergarten they went to and they had returning japanese kids who had started the japanese system and they just came back with so much eczema on their arms and i was like what's happening here and it's just i think they didn't you know either the schooling system got really rigid after the the fun preschool years and kindergarten and starting a certain elementary school age they're like okay now we're rigid we don't <laughs> but it's culturally acceptable that you're going to go through a hard bit now to learn the kanjis and everything so um this actually leads perfectly to the third and last question i wanted to address today which is like you know the old paradigm the one that probably our parents great-grandparents um uh lived in and it's like and if, from what i've understood you two ran a, your own school in bali and you didn't like battling the government regulations the academic system crushing the kids and the parents you saw the education had become an industry um, that we forgot about children and their needs and you saw firsthand that there was um, more to kids than high grades and high expectations if only there were more educators out there um, vocally speak but there's just so many hurdles to like fight against to actually hear the kid again um, so how do you see the new paradigm of education evolving, especially for a group of parents like ourselves who aspire to travel with them? Um, and I think, you know, just de developing that psychological flexibility to wire our brains for whole world learning that you were, if you could say a little bit more about that, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I might just, sorry, share a slide again, only because yeah. I know, um, I'm going to jump from that one to... This one, um, for us, we believe wholeheartedly that learning is well-being. And if we start from a well-being skills-based focus, um, we can have children who can learn anywhere in any system, you know, anywhere in the world, because that set of skills is totally transferable to wherever they are. Um, and, and I think that we've lost that when we get caught up in content and curriculum too much um 
And so if we could get back to, I know for young children, play is so important. And in our westernized systems, we are getting further and further away from play-based learning at a young age and play develops all of these skills. And if our kids could start formalized learning with a much greater sort of emphasis on these skills and continue then to learn these types of skills. So I've got down there, you know, flexibility, um, adaptability, being coherent. So things being logical um, and rational, uh, resilience, bouncing back, stability, feeling comfortable in yourself that you feel stable and open to learning and energized, just having that vitality and that enthusiasm for learning. If we can provide opportunities for children to develop those types of qualities and skills. Um, and then we've got some more here, persistence. Discernment is a huge one for today with the amount of information that is thrown at our children from such a very early age. They need to learn to be really critical thinkers. Um, Get on the iPad. I, babysitter iPads over today. <laughs> uh, you know, learn to solve problems um, and the gratitude, empathy and mindfulness, which is so important for their connections with each other, their connections with their teachers, their connections with their families and friends. It's just, you know, if we could really focus on these skills, these are skills that a child will learn, but they give back. And so that flow of energy and information goes back and forwards between the child and whatever world they're in at the time. And our world is going to be, you know, globally a much better place if our children can develop these qualities at a younger and younger age. And, and if we go back to what we're talking about, the flow of learning, we, you know, um, Dan Siegel again has an amazing, he, he, he calls it the river of well-being. And, and we love to talk about the river of well-being around what you talked about, psychological flexibility. Mm. Psychological flexibility is not just about learning, it's about life. And that's why being psychologically flexible is the greatest gift I think we can share with our kids. Because we've all brought things with us from our stories and everything we bring with us to start noticing those and start getting in the flow of well-being for myself um you know is is the greatest gift because then we can tap into that we can tap into our human curiosity we can tap into you know like um you watch young children they are so mindful they are so curious they can sit there and watch an ant for 20 minutes and yet the adults in their life get out of the flow we get to the bank of rigidity or we get to the bank of chaos and you know we're all moving on <laughs> come on let's go let's go do this we've got this so this is this is our once again while we're in the flow we're going to get near the banks but it's noticing where we're at so that's the whole human connection again and El said as El said it's around skills but it's also around in that river is a lot of values and values are actions, words that get us to achieve our goals. If we're too goal focused, and I think the world at large for our kids is, and the school system in Australia in particular, everything's a goal. What's your goal? What's your goal? What's your goal? If you achieve the goal, you're supposedly successful. If you don't, you're a failure. Whereas if you've gone and looked at the value, what is my value around this? My value is learning. My value is trying hard. How did you go? I tried my hardest awesome however the result may not that if i keep working hard or trying hard i'm going to get to my goal eventually you know it's it's the old 
nothing's linear and learning's not linear and yet we're trying to turn it into a linear machine process and i keep banging on about this if we've got a if we've got a big machine the smallest cogs are the ones that usually break first and in the education machine the kids are the the cogs that break and that's why we've got so many kids with so many challenges and it's not the kids fault it's not the kids fault it's the machine and they're the beautiful little parts that have haven't been they're given their ability to flow so yeah you know so there's lots of things and we could talk about this for and it's not the teachers fault either. no it isn't think, it you isn't. know we need and to sort not, of remember it's, it's that as teachers we not. felt really trapped mm. in a system that just didn't Absolutely. support you know what we really believed about children and that mm. became really challenging mm. So yeah, I'm sorry. We, oh, I could go on for hours. I love it. <laughs> Don't apologize. I wish we did have them. Um, uh, yes, there's a book called The Desire Map, and and they it talks exactly about what we were saying, um, Anthony, of just define you know define a goal. What is the feeling behind the goal? You know, to get a degree, to feel educated about something, and what you know, and, and what's the feeling that you're really after, and how to embody that feeling even if you have the degree or if you don't or, or have that oh. house or have that you know spouse or have that like whatever it is like embody love. it regardless of, of what gets achieved or what doesn't so i i love that you're saying not to stay too goal focused but um what is the what are the values um yeah, yeah. The, the as you say why is the what's the why to where i'm going you know and and i'm not, not to gonna forget that when you're culturally expected to to get a certain degree you know the pressure is and, and that's, that's what happens with the, the children they go i'm meant to achieve this goal so therefore i switch out of my well-being phase and my curiosity turns off and all i want to do is through. achieve the goal and that's so much pressure the valedictorian of my of my year um got to harvard she pleased her parents she pleased the professors um she wanted to study art but she ended up studying economics, got a job at McKinsey. Um, and then, you know, she, she went, she, ha she did everything, the goals that every adult around her had, had said would, would give her success. And she did, she had an incredible salary when we could hardly afford our first bicycle. Um, but she ended up getting lupus and she can't have kids and her immune system has turned on itself. And she believes that a doctor will save her because every part of her life has been dictated by someone external to her. Um, and so, yeah, just backtracking to well-being. Is your child happy and healthy? Yes or no? <laughs> and if not, backtrack until it is. <laughs> so thank you so much. I just wanted to ask, can you, you can't leave Australia for the time being, right? Not at the moment. No, we're getting closer. <laughs> no, I think by Christmas. Yeah. Well, just wanted to open it up briefly for um, this large audience. John, did you have any questions? <laughs> no, I have to say, I really enjoyed that. I mean, for me, remember my um, my aunt uh, back when I was younger, she really taught me about the importance of energy and our connection with the universe and, you know, all those values you talked about, but gratitude. And, you know, I think it's it's interesting when we kind of grow up and we, we're, we're, we've got um, as kids, we might have a, a religious philosophy that forms a kind of a bench, a kind of a, maybe a foundation, but then you learn more about the world and the importance of, of, of energy and, your mind, body, heart, and soul, and all those different components. And I think a lot of the messages that you guys tied into, it's so beautiful because it really ties, you know, I think there's a lot of that in us and a lot of those influences and the research influences connecting in with it as well. And I think that story that you shared as well, Carmel, was really moving. I mean, a really, really powerful example of how the institutions that we have uh, and, and the architecture for 
modern kids nowadays, it's just in many ways working against them. Uh, so that's why for me, this is a personal journey for me as well, trying to learn more about world schooling, to learn more about the possibilities to kind of deconstruct the whole education system, seeing what other ways there might be of doing it. So for me, it's, this is more of a, a kind of a learning journey. And I have to say, thanks for putting this together. Uh, you're a great bunch, uh, all of you. I really appreciate you taking the time for putting it together. Well, well thanks, thanks for being here. Yeah. We're coming to the top of the hour. So um, I hope we all get to meet in person one day in some exotic or non so exotic place around this globe and just bring in all the, the good values for not only the kids, but the adults too. And yeah. um, I'll share all your details, Ellen Anthony, in, in, um, in the links. And um, thank you again for your time. No, no, thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Like I said, it's a privilege. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.